You're listening to The Unprofessional Entrepreneur, the podcast where small business owners learn to build their business unprofessionally. It's high time to stop stressing about having perfect content and a conventional way to market your business. I want you to embrace your unprofessional side and learn to succeed on your own terms. I'm your host, Feli, a feel-good marketing mentor and the owner of a content repurposing agency, FDVA. Tune in each Thursday when new episodes air and let's build your business unprofessionally. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Unprofessional Entrepreneur. This week, we are talking about one of my favorite topics, which is copywriting. I love copywriting. I am so interested and what's the word? Not interested. I am so intrigued. That's the word I was looking for. I'm so intrigued by copywriting. I looked into so many copywriting courses when I first started my business, but like I have no patience. And (laughs) so content is where I stopped my knowledge, but I'm always so impressed by copywriters because I just think they're on a whole nother level. So today I am joined by Corey, who runs by Corey Whitby. Did I say it right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> I should. I always forget to ask people how to say their names before I start, and then I'm like, oh, let's just hope. Um, but she is right up my alley of a unprofessional copywriter who you'll see it when you go see her social media. But like the work she does, it's it screams like I don't give a fuck, and that's my attitude. <laughs> so, <laughs> Corey, if you want to introduce yourself to the people, like let them know a little bit about you. Yeah. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So my name is Corey. I am a conversion copywriter. I work primarily with online service providers. Um, I work with a lot of designers, a lot of educators, and just creative business owners in general. I usually, when I'm like, quote unquote, niching down or telling people my niche, I say that I work with cool people who do cool things. So I keep it very, very broad. Um, My background is in SEO writing, and I kind of translated that into a more creative avenue of copywriting and content writing. And I've been doing this all in, I would say just probably almost six years total, but it's like, you know, here and there. So that is me in a nutshell. I love that. Tell me, because I, you know what, like with copywriting, SEO is something I'm so interested in. And that's the one that I did actually deep dive into. And I've done like a lot of courses and like spent time trying to learn Mm -hmm. it for myself. What were you doing when you say like that's your background? Like were you working in corporate in SEO or it was like that's what you did before you became a copywriter? Yeah, so I started where I learned everything that I know about or that I knew when I started my business about copywriting from um, a side gig that I was doing with an agency that they literally paid like one cent a word. Like it was tragic, <laughs> but it taught me literally everything that I knew about SEO and about content writing and about copywriting. It was like a really good inroad into the industry that I didn't even know that I was looking for or was going to take. Um, I was basically just working in restaurants, uh, when I first moved to Chicago, I, well, I guess for some more background, I have a theater degree. And so when I graduated, I was 
trying to find a job in the industry, ended up in Chicago because a lot of my friends from college are here. And I was working in restaurants while I figured out what I wanted to do with my life pretty much. And I put out an SOS to my social media, basically just being like, I need more money. Does anyone know a side gig? Someone reached out with this side gig and I started working doing SEO writing. Um, And then a lot of like blog writing, press releases, that kind of stuff. SEO for me is way too technical. I have like crazy respect for people who have the patience for something like SEO because I am so, it's just so not my wheelhouse. Like I use it in every project that I do. Like I'm very, very grateful to have the knowledge of SEO, but to me like that technical writing, that really, really, really detail oriented, like, you know, aspect of SEO is just something that I knew that I didn't want to bring into my business or offer as a service rather because it's just not my thing, but grateful to have learned it. (laughs) Oh, I literally say all the time that I'm like, I know the bare minimum of SEO as much as I've like studied it and looked into it. I'm like, I can make blog post SEO, but like, don't Mm -hmm. ask me about like your service page. I have no idea how to approach (laughs) anything except for blog posts where I can just write a lot of content. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, SEO, it's an impressive field. It's a field I would love to understand, but I've also kind of just accepted I'll never get it. (laughs) It's like, I'll just have a a surface knowledge of it forever. And that's cool. My knowledge (laughs) will never go deeper than surface. (laughs) I'm curious because like your original pitch to me was how to write copy that doesn't suck and like how to write copy that actually performs. And so I want to know like, what's your take on what is copy that doesn't suck versus copy that does suck? You know, I think it's like definitely kind of layered. Um, Mm -hmm. I think if you look at like the online business industry, the service provider space, the kind of world that you and I exist in on a daily basis, a lot of the my idea of like copy that doesn't suck is really just getting away from the traditional sort of icky, like MLM-y language and the more like manipulative marketing tactics that people can and do use in everyday life. And really instead just embracing solution-oriented copywriting as opposed to like pain point-oriented copywriting. And also building really strong brand personalities so that you don't have to constantly be, you know, poking somebody's open wound to get them to buy your service or buy your product. And instead you can create more of a loyal following of people who are just excited to be a part of your audience and are just waiting for you to offer something that they're ready to buy. Um, So, I mean, like, I say copy that doesn't suck a lot. Um, But, yeah, I think for me, the biggest part of it is something that's exciting to read, fun to read. I mean, we live in a world where basically nobody reads anything top to bottom anymore. So if you can, like, write something that's engaging enough that the majority of people are at least skimming it, then you know you're doing good. But then also something that is, like, ethical and really is taking care of your audience as opposed to just trying to make a sale. Yeah, because when you said like MLM copy and like that, I was immediately thinking of 
<clears throat> I don't know why I'm losing my voice, of like the super long pages, the sales pages that never actually make a point. Mm-hmm. And it's like so, it's so <laughs> fluffy. <laughs> and you're like reading it being like, but what are you actually selling? Yeah. And then you like scroll and it's like, okay, and why does it cost fifteen thousand dollars? <laughs> yeah. Like, and I'm just like, but you never told me what it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that worked slash still works. I don't know how that ever became a thing of and like you said, like nobody reads top to bottom, but like sometimes I'm literally like scrolling paragraph after paragraph being like, Can you actually tell me what this is about? Like Yeah. I, I just oh I that's that's my idea of copy that sucks and I don't yeah. know how people get away with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I've been thinking about this a lot recently actually because at the end of August I don't actually know when this episode's gonna come out but at mm. the end of August I'm launching um, a template shop that's opening up with a sales page template and so in creating this sales page template I've been like so immersed in the world of good and bad sales copy like trying to think of how to articulate to a business owner who's not necessarily a copywriter or a content writer or a writer in general how to articulate how to write a sales page that isn't just complete bullshit Mm -hmm. um and how to actually like build a narrative around your offer and have people truly understand what it is that you're writing about. Because I think that people, it goes one of two ways where it'll be like completely fluff and they're just like making these huge, crazy promises that they definitely can't keep. And they're like, you know, make seven figures doing nothing. And then on the other end of the spectrum is somebody who's like poured their all into an offer and they're writing about it. And then they're sharing every single detail that nobody cares about. It's like, nobody cares that you spent 75 hours putting together this 18 point bullet point to-do list and like you know and so finding like the middle ground of that is something that I've been thinking about a lot recently yeah because it's it's not just length it's also like if you're making templates like the sections that are going into it the prompts that you're giving to people to like be able to fill it out for themselves and like what are the actual important sections that make people convert? Yeah. When you say you're a conversion copywriter, like, what does that even mean? Because I hear people all the time, like, I'm a conversion copywriter. And I'm like, does this mean something? Or is this just what copywriters call themselves? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I do think it's maybe a little bit of both, to be completely honest. <laughs> when I say conversion copywriter, what I mean is that I pay really close attention to what works and what doesn't work. And um, da- like, I'm, have data behind the decisions that I'm making in order to make the best decisions for a business to help their copy convert. So um, the other day, someone asked me, you say data backed a lot. What is, what is the actual data? And I'm talking mostly about like voice of customer data, which is, you know, just through market research and understanding your audience, um, you know, is how you can reflect their needs and their wants through copywriting. But then you're also looking at things like, you know, boring analytics, where are people getting hung up on a website? Where are people clicking? What's converting? What's not? What's useful? And so that is kind of the the stuff that to me qualifies me as a conversion copywriter. I'm sur- sure someone else would have a different answer, but that's why I put the, put the word in front of it. 
I'm curious, like you as the copywriter, do you do the market research? Do you ask the clients to do the market research? Do you do like A-B testing? Do you mm-hmm. like how how data driven? <laughs> it depends on the client and it depends on the project. Mm-hmm. Um, in like a full scope project, market research is our market research support slash being the one that actually does it is always an option. Mm-hmm. Um, I always try to help my clients make the decision to do it. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's just totally depends on the person in, in a, in a shorter, like I do like day rate, a day rate offer with my copywriting. And I then rely on the client to be able to give me all of that information. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm pretty upfront about, you know, if you don't know this, don't spend your money on this because you're wasting your money. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I I had a quiz funnel strategist on the show the other day and we were literally talking about that. Like there's a, a wall that people need to pass to be able to invest in your services mm-hmm. as a done for you. And it's very much like if you don't have the data of your offer of like what's working, what people like, like the feedback, it makes it hard, <laughs> you know? So yeah. like for me as a content repurposer, it's like, I need you to know what you're selling. And if you don't know your messaging yeah. or your offer, I can't create content around it because it's like a key part of it. <laughs> and so yeah. it's the same, like if people don't have any market research on their yeah. offer, it's like, well, I could write copy, but is it, are you going to be happy with it? Is it going to convert? Right. Are we going to want to rewrite it six months from now? Yeah. That's yeah. like not the goal of working with me. So mm-hmm. <laughs> in your form that you filled out to be on the show, um, you mentioned that you want copywriting to be a key investment for creative entrepreneurs. And I'm pretty sure I saw that on your Instagram too. And I want to know, like, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that, hmm. I mean that I, I mean, I want people to be able to invest in copywriting because I think it's valuable. Um, you know, I try my best to make my services as accessible as possible to as many people. I mean, obviously there's going to be an investment barrier. It's not cheap to invest in copywriting, but it's not cheap to invest in your business. Mm -hmm. Um, but the reason why I want people to be able to invest in it is because, you know, I think when we, and again, my key, my target audience really is service providers. And there are so many people that are sold into this idea of like a hands-off business, sell while you sleep, make six figures on the beach in your luxury vacation. And like people definitely do that, but they're not just creating an Instagram account and then the next day (laughs) making six figures, sipping a margarita on vacation. Um, they're investing strategically in building a business that's sustainable, that they can step away from comfortably, having a team, having all of that behind them. And to me, copywriting is a staple investment that helps you take that step towards that personal and financial freedom that you were quote unquote promised when you started your business. And so I think that people who are serious about entrepreneurship and serious about, you know, being in this for a while or for life or whatever you want to say, um, that is, it is a staple investment in being able to do it sustainably, not having to completely pour your all into your business 24 seven, whether or not you want to be 
you know, on a luxury vacation or you just want to like work normal hours. Mm. (laughs) Is there a point that you think people reach or need to reach to invest in like your full service copywriting or your day rate versus getting Mm. templates? Yeah, I mean, I'm like, it's, I think a lot of it is the understanding of your target audience, sort of the market research elements that we just talked about, understanding your audience, understanding your offers, understanding, you know, where the middle of the Venn diagram of the two is and being able to articulate that. I think you also need to be at a point where you, it's natural for businesses to shift and change and grow. It would be weird if your business was exactly the same as it was on day one. Mm -hmm. But I think you need to be like at a point where you are scaling more than you're pivoting, if that makes sense. So you're, you know, you have this like foundational copywriting that you've invested in. And then instead of having to change it every time you're changing something in your business, you can add to it or, you know, um, adapt it, but rather than like completely changing things. Um, And I think, you know, I get pretty good at discerning like, when I meet somebody, I can tell whether or not they're, it's the right investment for them. And I'm, I'm, I'm gotten really good at just being like, Hey, I really like talking to you. This is not going to be a good investment for you. Let's stay connected. Hit me up in six months, you know? Um, And I think a lot of it just has to do with where they're at, where their audience is at, their understanding of their own business. And honestly, whether or not they're, business and their offers are, are, are things that people are actually interested in. You know, you can't write copy, good copy for a bad offer and make it sell. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably the same with content. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I, in my one-on-one always talk about like the experimentation phase and it's like, Mm -hmm. usually I'm talking about experimenting like with your marketing, but it is like you're experimenting, you're experimenting with your messaging. You need to experiment with your marketing before Mm -hmm. like, your offer is ready to be like finalized kind of in the way that it's mm-hmm. like, okay, like now you get like the right sales page. Now you get the, you know, like almost like it's almost worth it to run it once. Like if it's a group program or like sign five clients, if it's one-on-one before it's like, okay, now I'm going to do the full sales page. Now I'm going to like get the professional copy. I mean, I started one-on-one in 2021 by the end of 2022, I completely changed my package, mm-hmm. my messaging, you know, it was like the more people I worked with, the more I solidified. And it's like, I didn't even have a framework in the beginning. I was just like, okay, this is what we're going. And then as I like work with people, then the framework developed and it was like, okay, I can mm-hmm. see like as these people go through it. And so I think like, if you're like, I need to hire a copywriter, like I'm just not good at writing. There is kind of that like level that you meet and that's where it's like the template is good in the beginning yeah and then you graduate (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and I also think that I mean I totally understand and respect that not everybody has the time or Mm -hmm. honestly the desire to want to learn copywriting but I think that more than anything it is a skill that can be at least if not mastered you can at least get sort of good at it good enough to be able to sustain your own business because you know unless you have a copywriter on team or on staff there's always going to be something Mm -hmm. um something that needs to be written for your business um 
So I think that, you know, more than just being like, I'm not a good writer, so I have to hire this out because I failed English class in high school. Like it is more of a skill, like a research-based skill that can be learned whether or not you want to. I think it's valuable for entrepreneurs to at least try their hand at it because Mm -hmm. there's always going to be something, you know? Yeah, like at least get that first draft out there so you can start selling people in before you're ready to exactly hire the copywriter to make it better. Super random question, but do you think that all copywriters are witty people? Because sometimes I read copy and there's so much like little one-liners in there and it's just like, how do you come up with this shit? (laughs) I love this question. I saw this on the outline and I've been thinking about it all morning. Okay, I... (laughs) think the answer is no. I think it definitely helps to be clever. But like I get I mean, I will read other people's work and be like, how the fuck are they so quippy? Like, I feel like um, my copywriting style and I think, you know, there's an element of like, you don't really want to have a certain style because you want to be able to adapt mm-hmm. to each client but you can if you're like paying close enough to attention to somebody's work you can kind of see the through line and like my copywriting style is definitely more narrative and more emotional than it is like witty or quippy and I get if I pay too close attention to another copywriter's work I get horrible imposter syndrome because I'm like oh my god they're so much funnier than me like how how did they come up with all this so like I don't think that you have to be witty to be a copywriter, but I think it definitely helps to have at least a a keen eye for like humor. But it also like speaks to like the clients that you're hiring, right? Because me, I'm like super cut and dry, blunt to the point. And like, I like to think that I can be witty, but I'm not good at emotional, at like romanticizing, at storytelling. Mm-hmm. I just don't have that bone in my body so <laughs> it's always like the thing that I'm looking for you know because yeah. it's like I can't I just can't I'm like this is what you get what do you mean I should like make it sound pretty like don't <laughs> yeah. people just want to know what they're getting <laughs> yeah yeah I mean that's really like the I mean that's such a good thing to be cognizant of because I do think like people will get lost in the like, well, I like it cut and dry, but so I'm just going to, you know, present it really simply. But really you have to look at like all the different buyer Fire types, types. <laughs> in the world and how you're, how you can wrap that all up into one piece of copy. That's not a thousand pages long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as a marketer, I always see the gap of, I want to say like service providers especially, but I see people like writing to what they think their clients need to hear versus Mm -hmm. what the client actually needs to hear. You Mm -hmm. know, like you get stuck in expert brain and like being Mm -hmm. more technical and be like, well, this is what you need to do to fix it versus like what they actually believe or like need to hear to be ready to buy. You made a post saying that people either don't know who they are or don't know how to communicate it. And I'm curious which one's more common. Mm -hmm. I think that 
it's the communication mm-hmm. that's more common. Um, and I think also like in referring to like people don't know who they are, it's more so like they don't know who their brand is and don't know how to communicate it. Um, I think it, it's it's easier and it's harder because so many of us have personal brands. I mean, my business name is literally just my name and so many of us have personal brands. So we're kind of just falling back on, on our, on ourselves and on Mm -hmm. our personalities and on our opinions. And that kind of leads the brand. But then when you're trying to scale and trying to hand off responsibilities for things like content writing or social media or copywriting or anything where someone has to assume the brand personality, then you kind of lose track of who the brand is because it's hard to articulate Mm -hmm. who you are and like put it down onto paper. Um, So I think it's a little bit of both, but I think more than anything, people just have a hard time articulating it. And then when it comes to copywriting, there's the added layer of having to articulate in a way that your audience cares about. And then that is where people get really, really confused, I think. Yeah. And that's where I feel like people get caught up in like speaking to the expert brain, especially Mm -hmm. social media or sorry, especially service providers that it's like you get stuck in expert brain. You get stuck in talking about the technicalities of what you do and like the maybe high level jargon of like Mm -hmm. the processes you use and people just don't care. And people just also don't get it. (laughs) So it's like, it's not what, it's not always what you know they need to hear, but it's like finding that divide of like what you know and what you know they need to hear and what they actually need to hear based on where they're at. Do you yeah. like I'm I'm I think so. I believe so that like market research solves for that. But like how do you help your clients bridge that gap? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's tough for even me to kind of like lay out how it works um sometimes there are things where I'm like this only makes sense in my own brain like I feel like I'm speaking Corey language especially with my work because it just is so I do it every single day it's so natural it's just like a part of my process that I have a hard time talking about sometimes but yeah so I think the answer is first you need to have a really strong grasp on your brand personality and things like vision, values, goals, mission, everything that, you know, you hear about in like entrepreneurship 101, like those things are actually important and they become more important as you're starting to write and like, you know, sell to your audience. So that's kind of the first step. And then what you're adding on top of that is the messaging, which I think messaging is also one of those like, like big buzzwords, keywords that people use a lot, but nobody actually knows what the fuck it is. Um, then what you're adding on top of that is your messaging, which is how you're taking the your brand voice and then you're speaking a message that artic- that like resonates with your ideal audience. And so to understand what resonates with your ideal audience, you're falling back on things like market research. Um, there's a a technique that I teach about um, that a lot of copywriters use called message mining, which is basically where you are 
digging through testimonials, digging through reviews, really like capturing that direct voice of customer data. Um, and you're also, you know, using your experience of what has worked in the past, what doesn't work, you know, what clearly resonates with people, um, keeping your finger on the pulse of your audience and your business. And that's kind of how you're filtering it all together. And I, <laughs> I don't know if any of that makes sense. No. I always feel like I'm speaking gibberish when I, when I get on the, the, <laughs> a role of talking about this. Cause I'm always just like, it is, it's a difficult thing to teach unless you are boots on the ground practicing mm -hmm. and just learning through your business, you which know, which is why, which is exactly why everybody struggles with it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do and you it have... also feel so important, I think, like people mm -hmm. don't want to mess it up. People yeah. don't want to make mistakes when it comes to their messaging or their brand voice or any of that. But like truly, it's all just even with a professional copywriter, there's an element of trial and error. That's why like A-B testing exists. You oh, know? That's why I literally tell everyone you have to experiment. Like, yeah, you could write the most fire messaging in a like one on one session or journaling session or something. And you could put it out on the internet and nobody could give a shit. <laughs> and you could change one part of that sentence and have people like flooding your DMs. You know, yeah. it's like, just because you think it's amazing doesn't always mean everyone's going to resonate with it. In fact, a mm -hmm. lot of the times the post that I'm like, this is the best post I've ever written. Nobody cares. And then I'm like, I'm just going to post this because I created it. I like it, but like whatever. And then everyone's like, oh my God, I, I know just, I have to message you <laughs> what you said. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's like always how it goes too, which yeah. is so funny. <laughs> which is why it's like important to release all of your expectations and just fucking go really? for it <laughs> do you have advice on how someone can start to try and solve that gap on their own or is it really just trial and error do you think um I think it's like controlled trial and error mm -hmm. I think you should be really paying attention to what target clients are saying whether or not they're people that have worked with you before or not like you know just a dream client or a past client or whatever really work work hard to keep your finger on the pulse to keep up with what people are saying to keep up with the times mm -hmm. um and 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 practice using that information that you're gathering to tweak your messaging to tweak your copy to tweak your content and then really pay close attention to what resonates and what doesn't and then eventually you'll find a formula for your business that won't be perfect forever it won't ever be perfect but you can at least then replicate that and you know know that you are going to have at least some semblance of success with it because it is what works for your business and for your audience so it's like yeah trial and error but in like a controlled setting just playing and experimenting why do I keep losing my train of thought fuck <laughs> I can be a rambler too so no, I but it's, like... you say one thing and I'm like yes I have a thought and then you say something else and it's like I forget the thought <laughs> whatever yeah I think like the intentionality oh I remember what I was gonna say I think the intentionality of the experimentation process you know it's mm -hmm. not like I'm just gonna throw things out and see what sticks but actually like tracking it in some way or like yes. 
I always love to go through onboarding forms when I'm feeling stuck in my messaging and seeing like what my literal mm. clients said to me when they were coming to me, when they were hiring me, when they said like, this is why I hired you. Like <laughs> it's yeah, some of the best messaging I can find. Yeah. Yeah. I think the moral <laughs> of the story is that you have that you have access to that information, even if you think that you don't like, even mm -hmm. if you're on day two of your business, you don't have a single client, you don't have a single customer, you can still find that information through other avenues. And I think that, you know, people feel really lost when they're just starting out and they're like, but I don't have any testimonials. I don't have any current clients to ask questions to, but like you have access to that information, you just have to look a little bit harder. What's your process for looking for that information? Because I heard someone the other day say like, go through business book reviews that talk about a similar industry or niche to you and like use those as, as market research. And I was like, this is so out there. And I wonder if it actually works. I've never like actually done it myself. But like, if someone didn't have any experience with clients, where would you tell them to look? Yeah, so this is, I actually teach something like this in a masterclass that I do. Um, but I, so if I were a day one copywriter, I had no clients, I had no past experience to lean on, I'm just showing up and hoping for the best. What I would do to craft my messaging was I would go look at the testimonials and reviews of my competitors mm -hmm. and I would see what people are saying about them that they love. And of course, you know, I would do it in a way that, that I could, I wouldn't make promises that I couldn't keep. If somebody is saying like, I love that, you know, so-and-so made me six figures from my copywriting, from my, from my sales page, but I had never written a sales page that made someone six figures. I wouldn't then go online and be like, I can make you six figures, but you're looking for, you're looking for turns of phrases. You're looking for commonalities, what mm -hmm. people are looking for in copywriters. So if you are seeing a lot of testimonials across the board that are saying like, she made me feel so seen and comfortable. And, you know, I was nervous at first, but I was really excited when I was working with her. That's how you know that people are looking for, People are nervous about outsourcing to copywriters, mm -hmm. and so they're looking for comfort, and they're looking for somebody to take care of them. And then you can then translate that through your own message. So the business book review one is not something that I've actually heard of before, but it actually might not be a bad idea. Yeah, like it's not that far from what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> and the nice thing about the books, too, is like – so. For service providers, it's a little different for e-com because you can go look at like Amazon reviews and there mm -hmm. will be negative reviews. But like service providers, no one's ever going to post a negative review on yeah. their website. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's actually nice to see what people don't like about a service or a product or something like that as well. So the books, it's not a bad idea. I might try it out. I like that. I'm glad. I'm glad because I was like, this is so random. Like, never heard this in my four mm -hmm. years of business. Who came up with this? <laughs> I can't remember where I heard it. I'm happy with this conversation. <laughs> I think we covered a lot. And do you have anything you want to say to the people before we wrap this up? No, um, you know, just the usual. I always tell people to connect with me on Instagram, but then jump on my email list because that's where I give the most value, honestly, and where I have the most fun with my audience. Um, but yeah, honestly, best piece of copywriting advice is just get the first draft out and then worry about what it sounds like. <laughs> that's so true. It's like first draft, just like dump that shit and Bring then you can edit it. it. 
Edit it yeah. later. Don't worry about yeah. it. Don't edit as Don't you go. Don't edit while you're writing. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a dead sentence. Um, so I always end these episodes by asking people what makes you an unprofessional entrepreneur. Ooh, I love this question. Okay, I think for me, I am very opinionated, always have been, um, and very happy to share opinions that don't necessarily go with the status quo. Um, And I think that that is, especially in the online service provider industry, something that people really fear um, because they fear that it makes them look unprofessional. So I think a part of what makes me an unprofessional entrepreneur is my willingness to speak my mind, even when it's against the status quo or, you know, speaking up against the man. (laughs) Um, And also just really being willing and able to embrace personality and fun in business, which is something that we're as a collective, I think are moving towards, but is, not something that's been prevalent in the past and is it's really refreshing to be able to feel like I can show up and have fun and make actual friends and not just be trying to make a make a couple dollars every day so yeah 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 and I feel that like with the launch of threads you know that people are just like out there living their best life and I was like you could have been doing this before but (laughs) it's also like that's what like you were saying like your email list like my email list is like that that I'm just like no holds bar like everything goes on the email list and a lot of the times it's like maybe what I would share in close friends but not necessarily on my public profile and I I would say it's because I know like my family and like people from real life see that but also I don't know it's just there's there's a different feeling to to being able to share one thing in one place and something else in another but yeah yeah well, thank you so much for coming and sharing all of this with my audience. Like she said, everything will be linked in the show notes, the Instagram, the link to the website, which has the sign up for the email list. And don't be shy. Done. Cute. Love it. All right. Well, that's all I have for all of you today. I am so grateful for all of you for listening. And I hope you liked this interview with my guest. If you do head to the show notes and check them out. And of course, don't forget to check me out and slide into my DMs. Let's shoot the shit and tell me what your biggest takeaway was from today. But as always, I'm going to love you and leave you with the reminder that I'll see you in two days on Thursday with my solo episode. And of course, don't forget to stay unprofessional. Thank you.